Welcome to the Wildlife Experience. This is your host, Andrew Austin. All right, guys, I hope y'all are enjoying the new episodes here. Um, I'm going to try to keep keep pumping out one per week and uh, you know, try to stay consistent. I think that that's really important to stay on track. And it's really not hard to do one per week. You know, these um, overall take about two hours to record and produce, edit, and you know, publish. Um, so that's uh, I think that's pretty doable. Um, I do get pretty busy in the spring and the summer, but I'm, I'm going to make sure I keep up this year um, and not drop the ball for like seven months like last year. But anyway, um, I have a really good guest for today. Um, in this episode, I interview. Rosie Moore. Uh, Rosie is a geoscientist, a wildlife biologist, a shark researcher, a free diver, a model. Um, she is very well-rounded. Um, she does all sorts of stuff and, uh, it was really great to talk to her. Um, so we discuss all of her interests and her career and, um, her recent, um, uh, viral video that has, uh, landed her on CNN and Fox. And, um, she's, you know, getting all this media attention, um, being a model and a wildlife professional. Um, a lot of people find that very sensational. Um, so we talk all about that and, uh, you know, what she plans to do with this newfound fame and, uh, yeah, all around, it was great talking to Rosie. Um, and I think you guys will enjoy it. So now I bring you Rosie Moore. All right. Uh, my name is Rosie Moore. I have an MS in geosciences. I specialize in human environmental interactions and GIS and remote sensing. I've worked with wildlife for about six years now, specifically um, invasive reptiles, crocodiles, snakes, and sharks. Very good. All the all the big scary predators. <laughs> exactly. I always love. I always tell people like the weirder, the grosser, the scarier it is. Like that's what I want to work with. Yeah. So you um. Did you always know you wanted to work with wildlife? Yeah, I've always like, it's one of the reasons I moved to Florida for school from Missouri is because I wanted to work with sharks my whole life. Okay. I always, that's all I wanted to do when I move here. I want to study sharks. And then, you know, I finished grad school and there wasn't any really like shark positions open, but there were positions working with crocs and snakes. And I was like, well, that's another fun predator. So I jumped into that instead. Right. Yeah. Sharks, Um, they're, there surely aren't that many jobs being able to work with sharks, right? Like in a scientific sense. No. And especially not like fun ones. Like we actually get to like do the field work and stuff. And that's like a, a weird thing in science too. Like the more like up you go more, like if you have a PhD or a master's, like you start kind of getting out of the actual field, like data collection and more into like an office setting the rules for analyzing data and stuff. So that was another draw with going with the uh, crocodilian and invasive reptile research lab was that they were very like, they wanted everybody to be hands-on with data collection, you know? That's, um, that's an issue for a lot of aspiring wildlife biologists is like, where do you stop growing as a professional? Because we all got into it because we like being out in nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was kind of crazy to me. I never really realized that like the higher your education, a lot of times you kind of get to like not go in the field as much and I'm like well that's no fun I was like I'm glad I don't have a PhD because I want to go collect the data right you know although that said um I worked in consulting for a little bit and like when there's field work every single week in the middle of the summer it's like okay I kind of want to sit in the office in the AC for a little bit 
Yeah, it's like a love-hate. Like, the, the seasons are nice. Like, having some off time, like, it's good to have, like, a good mixture. Like, you don't want to be all in or all out. Right. I like, yeah, a good balance. Life is all about balance. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that's super cool. So you you studied, um, did you study biology or environmental science or GIS or for your, your undergrad? Yeah, my undergrad, I did a general science program and they allowed us to have concentrations. So I did a concentration in environmental science and a secondary in GIS and remote sensing. So just kind of an interdisciplinary degree where all my courses were either like environmental based or GIS and remote sensing based. I got you. But so your, your specialty, um, like you went to grad school and you did a lot of spatial science stuff, right? Like GIS. Yeah, all data models. Um, I did a lot of inundation modeling as well. So looking at and creating flood models and then all my other stuff is wildlife. So sure. kind of a weird combination. It always confuses people when I say that, but. Was it a, did you do a thesis? I did uh, like a capstone project. Okay. We didn't have to do a thesis. We didn't oh, that's nice. Gotcha. Where I was going, doesn't really need it. So I did that on a multiple linear regression model for interpolating groundwater levels. So basically just figuring out where the groundwater table is without actually having, um, adequate data. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and now you're working for who? Now I work for the government. I'm the head of a geospatial division, um, working with mostly like water resources. Yeah, I got you. But, and you're, but you still, you get out and do wildlife field work. It seems like fairly often. Yeah. A lot of field work. I still do a lot of the Python hunting and stuff as well. And then, work with sharks on the side right the shark stuff um what exactly are you doing with, with the sharks i do ecotourism so like professional shark uh, feeding yeah. and i got you taking yeah. people out and yeah you live in the best place for cool predators <laughs> cool i know and it's kind of funny too because a lot of my shark friends like only do sharks and they don't do like the herps and the snakes and stuff and then most of my like herp friends like only do the herps and like you guys got to switch it up here it's like there's there's a good variety what i've noticed um i'm a generalist too when it comes to wildlife and a lot of people are very taxa specific and i think that's boring because throughout the year at least you know you live in a pretty like warm climate you're in deep south florida right yeah i mean you can catch herps you're around there but um you know, if you go north a little bit, like when during the winter, herping kind of slows down, you know, you can look for salamanders and stuff, but, um, I don't know. I got into birds to pass the time, you know, when herps are moving and birds are fantastic. I love birds. Birds are really cool. That's what in my undergrad, I did ornithology a bit for like my capstone project for the environmental science program. I did like wood storks and their thermoregulatory development. Yeah. And I was like I never thought I'd be into birds and then like the more I was learning about them I was like these are they're kind of cool yeah they're they're flying reptiles basically yeah I thought the most interesting thing I learned about and I keep wanting to do like a, a video on it because I feel like nobody really knows this but like brood reducing and how they'll like intentionally kill some of their young if they feel like they don't have enough okay like, yeah yeah you're right yeah I've seen, like, I've seen videos of yeah. storks doing that right yeah yeah, yeah. Story, but... yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what you live, where exactly do you live right now? I live in Delray Beach. And like in South, that's South Florida. Yeah. It's like uh, South of West Palm and North of Fort Lauderdale. Okay, cool. I, I went to South Florida one time. It was like my senior trip after I graduated high school. I went, I just drove out there alone 
And uh, actually, I met I met somebody there. I met um, Chandler Kemenish, and we went oh. like ran around the Everglades for a week, and it was super cool. We like swam with alligators, and yeah, you got to get back down here. There's so much good herb. Well, I would love to go back now, especially because back then I didn't know as much about crocodilians. I mean, I had been working with them a little bit in captivity, but um, my appreciation wasn't at its max. And like now, I would love to go back and observe alligators out in the wild, in the clear water, like diving. And yes. I feel like it'd be much more immersive for me now. So I've been trying yeah. to find time to get out there. Um, but yeah, that's something um, you're very comfortable in the water. <laughs> yeah, I'm a master free diver and then an advanced scuba diver, but I've been like diving my whole life. So I'm just kind of used to it. Did you, did you um, like where you grew up, was that a like hard thing to access? Yeah, it was, but my dad is actually a tech diver and uh, used to dive for the police, like forests and stuff. So oh, yeah. he got me into diving at a really young age. Like okay. he forced, me. I used to be terrified of it as a kid. I thought I was going to die, but he made me do it. <laughs> so you, I guess you had a, an interesting childhood? Yeah, definitely. My dad's like just as adventurous as me. So he kind of like pushed everything on me a little bit. And eventually, obviously now I like it. Right. Um, when did you really like delve into wildlife i really got into wildlife it's well it's probably been about seven years now and i started with the sharks because obviously that was original goal right. and you know like social media is so great for that because i just kind of decided like you know i'm gonna move to florida and i really want to work with sharks and i just like networked online like found people that like did the shark feeding or that worked in shark research and I just started like making connections and just like putting myself out there until like eventually like just became part of like the shark community you know yeah. it's it's kind of like the herb community you gotta get out there yeah. people um being very good at, at networking is really valuable for your career and just for the hobby side of things you know yeah. do cool stuff you gotta meet cool people that do cool stuff you know and that's a pro when it comes to social media like i know there's pros and cons but i will say like when you have like a niche hobby like that you like want to meet people that do cool things like social media really comes in handy for that yeah and that that's why i'm i've always been well i learned early on that like what you post matters for those connections <laughs> and i was like a really terrible young herper i was like free like like obnoxiously free handling. I don't judge people for how they handle animals, but I was obnoxiously free handling for likes when I was a kid, <laughs> venomous snakes and stuff. And like, nobody would be my friend. They were like, this kid just is after a rush. He doesn't care about these animals. And uh, right. so I, realized, I was not after that. I really did like connecting with wildlife in that way was very fascinating as a kid. And um, I wasn't after cloud or anything, but I realized, yeah, early on, I learned some lessons with that. And once you really like, if you treat your Instagram or your social media um, more seriously and like keep it mildly professional, it can lead to very cool opportunities. A hundred percent. Definitely. And like all, all I thought what you said, like I used to like, when I first started shark diving too, like a lot of people will do like, you know, like petting the sharks and yeah. stuff like that. But I have like several like modeling shots where like, I'm like, petting a shark for like a bracelet company and stuff. And I remember I ended up posting those and I actually made the caption just about like how you shouldn't do that. But like my first few years of doing it, I didn't really know like the implications of it and people like that. So again, it wasn't like for the cloud, but it's like one of those things too. I'm sure even with you like free handling venomous, it's like, it's something that most people don't even think that you could do without just dying. So right. it's kind of, 
it's kind of like a cool experience. Well, and it might not be just for the clout. It's just like, it's one of those things. It's cool to show people that you can actually do it and you don't just automatically die. Right. Yeah. I haven't freehandled in a long time, but yeah, point, point taken. Um, I, I attribute my freehandling mainly to Steve Irwin. Like that, <laughs> that was who I modeled everything I did off of. I didn't have right. a mentor really. Um, that got me, my, my dad got me into wildlife a little bit, but I didn't have like a snake specific mentor. So I'm like, okay, you know, I see like on TV, they like Steve and Jeff core and they just pick these animals up and it's easy enough. <laughs> you just taught yourself. Yeah. You're wild. Well, we're, well, we're all, a lot of us are pretty self-taught. Like we're uh, herp people. We're an yeah. odd bunch, you know? I'm really learning that. Like a lot of my friends that handle venomous, I'll, I'll ask them like how they got into it and stuff. And almost everybody tells me they just taught themselves. And yeah. I was like, that's me. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know the last time I actually touched a venomous snake though. I mean, I, I still herp a lot, but I just don't like, I'll, if I see a snake, like a cotton mouth on the road, I'll take my flip flop and like, like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's, uh, it's pretty funny. I, but like when, when I was younger, it was like about the experience of catching like you with your sharks, you know, like the, right. with that uh, what, what was it like the first time you like really interacted with a shark? The first few times I like sh shark dove, like actually like just some small, like local sharks. I remember I was actually pretty scared. Yeah. And then my first time like doing like a serious dive, I went to tiger beach with like a bunch of guys that are like professionals, like all on shark week. Like they've been doing it their whole lives. And we were in the water with like three, like 16 foot tiger sharks. And oh it was so intimidating. Like it's like being in the water with a school bus and like, there's something about it. It's just like, it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's creepy. So the first few times is actually pretty nerve wracking, but like now I'm so comfortable and like, I know what to do and like handle the situations where right. like, it just feels like a second home. Like, honestly, sometimes you have to remind yourself not to get too comfortable. Yeah. It seems like, um, I'm not an experienced diver and holding my breath is something I struggle with. <laughs> you're you posted something recently where you're like in this karst, like underground cave and you're underwater for like minutes. It seems like uh, I yeah. just had like anxiety from reading the post. <laughs> I always tell people, because people are like, how do you not like freak out when you're free diving for that long or like inside a cave? And I'm like, if you, panic you die because like your body uses the oxygen so much faster so it's like free diving is one of the deadliest sports in the world and it's crazy because it's also like one of the calmest like you literally can't panic at all and it's you're really um you know like being a human a human as we are like we're we're inundated with all these like external like things in life and we're always like distracted and you're underwater it's like everything's quiet and so like it must be like really cool to being underwater with those sharks you're just in the moment like really truly living in the moment in that in that time yeah and it's definitely like a mind body connection when you're free diving too and a lot of people like a lot of shark divers prefer to free dive just for the experience and it's just kind of cool because you're like worried about like your breath hold like you're trying to focus right. on everything and you're just like actually just naturally like swimming in the ocean with the sharks instead right. of like being on a tank, which I scuba dive as well, but it is a different experience while you're free diving. Right. One, one important thing to note is I've just looking at the stuff you do, I would be much more intimidated by the caves than the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody says that actually. Fuck you know, those the caves. caves. Fuck those caves. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, a lot of people don't like advocate for like free diving and overhead environments, understandably, just because cave diving on its own is like one of the deadliest sports and then free diving on its own is one of the deadliest sports. So yeah. it's not necessarily the smartest thing in the world to do, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat. Uh-huh. <laughs> How long can you hold your breath? Uh, so my static, which is like what you do when you're training in a pool, like flipping upside down, like timed like breath hold is like a 345 god that's a long time yeah I not hold my breath for longer than a minute like really no i don't think so i, I think you could maybe it's easier than you think i start getting anxiety that's a problem yeah <laughs> crazy you're doing it like so you have contractions right so at like a minute 30 like i usually get like stomach contractions and then by the time, like, I'm, like, nearing, like, four minutes, like, your whole body is, like, convulsing involuntarily, like, oh and God. you literally have to just convince yourself to, like, just basically, like, keep your face in the water. That's crazy. Yeah. It takes, like, a lot of mental toughness, I feel. That's what, like, freediving is, like, 90% mental, you know? It's, like, it is physical, too, but it's, like, you can do so much more than, like, what you think you can. So it's all about just convincing yourself to stay down an extra minute or like go down another extra, however far. And like, it's all in your head. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the feelings we experience, like getting scared, those are good reactions to have because (laughs) we're not really meant to be underwater for long periods of time, I guess. Right. Yeah. No, all the like feelings and like reactions most people have are completely natural. You know, I was reading that about with like snakes and stuff too, that like a lot of the fear people have since it's such like a global phenomenon and it's not really like tied to anything specifically cultural, that it's actually just like an instinct we have to like be kind of scared of snakes. That's interesting. Yeah. that I've I've thought about this a lot. I I don't know. Yeah. Read a paper on it. If it's a genetic, I've always wondered if it's genetic or if it's Mm -hmm. societal. Yeah. Spiders have got to be the same or any invertebrate for that matter. It's yeah. Predators, invertebrates, things like that. Natural instinct. Yeah. So I I still like, I tell myself that spiders are great and yet I still react negatively towards them. I almost bought a black widow yesterday. I'm going to get it next week. So you're like, yeah, you're a spider. You're a spider gal. You like spiders. I like insects. I used to collect praying mantises and I've always wanted a black widow and uh, exotic shop has them in stock right now. Super cool. Yeah. Those are, they're fast. I see them from time to time and they're cool. Um, yeah. As dangerous as people think. Exactly. They're pretty chill and like their venom is like relatively not a big deal, I guess. Yeah. It's not fun, but it's not going to kill you properly. So <laughs> I don't know. I, like very few people have ever died from a widow as far as I know. Exactly. But they're so hated. So I want one as a pet. But do you keep a lot of stuff? I don't. So I used to only keep praying mantises and I have one snake that somebody rehomed to me, just a okay. little hog. Um, but yeah, I prefer insects over like anything like mammals are just so high maintenance. Snakes are cool, but <laughs> I used to keep some snakes, but I, yeah, mammals, I don't even have a dog. I love dogs by the way. Yeah. I just, I travel too much and like I can't take good great care of it. It's like, a time uh, commitment. Yeah. But some people like it's it's like a, a non-negotiable. They have to have a dog at all moments yeah. in their life. Like I admire those people, but I just barely <laughs> take care of myself. Yeah. The traveling I do and yeah. running around and shit. Um 
but yeah, that's super cool. When, um, when did you like really discover the wildlife community? Is that a fairly recent, like on social media? Um, no. So actually before I even moved here to Florida, like one of the things that kind of sparked me wanting to work with sharks was I remember just this girl I was sitting with and she started showing me one of the shark divers pages. Okay. Uh, yeah. She was showing me her page. Um, she ends up being my friend now, yeah. but, um, She's showing me all of her like diving with tiger sharks and stuff. And I was like, that's crazy. And I was like, I want to do it. So it kind of like sparked my interest in like moving down here to like do the shark stuff. That's, it seems like a lot of people that are really passionate about wildlife move there to, to work with yeah. or crocs or one thing I've noticed lately is um, a lot of people, they like are moving there to film, like film with wildlife. That, that seems like something that is happening there and not yeah. in a, I don't know if it's, it's no negative or positive. Um, yeah. I I've observed though. That's definitely true that people want to go there and like become famous on YouTube by like catching yeah. all these. Like, it's all about how you do it. If it's a good yeah. or a bad. Yeah. See, I'm, I, you know, I'm very open-minded about that stuff because some people really harness their clout to help conservation, you know? And I think that's great. Um, but then there's definitely some personalities out there that don't really give a shit about any about anything but themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's very hit or miss. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But yeah, South Florida is a, a strange place. The first time I went there, I was uh, I was at some alligator park, and this guy like hands me a Western Diamondback rattlesnake that was like completely. It wasn't like uh, a venomoid or anything. It was locked and loaded, and he said it doesn't bite though. And I was just like holding it. <laughs> <laughs> then he pulled out a Malaysian King Cobra and it's like, for, like kissing it on the face and coming from Texas, it was like a culture shock, uh, the yeah. community there, Everybody like wrestles alligators and free handles Cobras. And it's like just yeah. totally, totally different than what I was used there to. Are interesting characters in the reptile community for yeah. sure. I'm trying to think of the guy. It was, I think it was Al Killian that pulled out the Cobra. Is that name familiar? Somebody no, I know. Some old guy. He was like at, I think it was Everglades Outposts, what it was. Some really old dude. And he had like all these snakes in there. And his mm -hmm. little snake house is right next to where that deep pool where um, Chris Gillette does the tour. Yeah. There's like a little hut next to that. And there was a ton of snakes in there. Yeah. I've been um, in there before. <laughs> yeah. It was really interesting going to that, like homestead in the whole area. It was like, Homestead's really cool. There's yeah. so much life out there and a ton of like interesting characters with like private collections yeah i can only imagine <laughs> we were looking for chameleons and like, like tom crutchfield yeah. backyard basically <laughs> i don't know it was just that was a it was a really cool trip i, I cannot i did not find very many native herbs though it was a lot of invasive stuff yeah, yeah we are invasive uh lizards and reptiles and native yeah. now yeah. yeah which i mean it kind of sucks i'm 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 a, definitely a purist when it comes to ecosystems. Um, but you know, the, the herp enthusiast, I mean, it did enjoy finding chameleons. I feel, yeah, I know it's, it's fun to find all the invasives, but also it's like not good that they're here. Right. Although like chameleons, they're, they're pretty non-intrusive. I feel like they're mainly in yeah. urban areas and there's not much else that they're competing with. I don't know. Yeah, no, all the studies are kind of like contested on them because like, they haven't really shown that they're doing much. So it kind of sucks like working with invasives too, because obviously we have to euthanize a lot and yeah. chameleons 
the ones where we're like we don't really want to yeah. euthanize because I a, don't see it there but part of being in science in general is shit has to, to die sometimes yeah I know and people are always so shocked to hear that like especially like like you said everybody gets into wildlife because they love animals and then like especially working in an invasive research lab I'm like we have to kill everything yeah did you do you have did you have issues with that at first or like you first got oh, into yeah. yeah especially at first because like I've never really been like a hunter or like anything yeah. either <laughs> love and support people that like hunt their own food because it's so right. much more cool yeah. but um I just don't like picking what dies or like killing things in general. So like, I remember the first time, like I had to euthanize something. I literally went in my car and called my friend and I was like, I'm a murderer. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like so upset about it. Yeah. I think everybody has different emotional like capacities with that stuff, like what they can handle, you know, when yeah. like killing an animal or, um, I certainly do as a, I'm a, I'm a hunter, a very pet. I haven't eaten store-bought meat in three weeks now. And I hope to keep the trend going because it's really cool at harvesting your own food. But like, what, like I mainly hunt ducks and birds and uh, I don't have like, I have a deep respect for these birds, but it doesn't affect me emotionally as much as like killing a large mammal or something, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's weird to explain that it's um, like herps, obviously I have a special connection to herps and it, mm -hmm. it sucks to kill herps. I haven't had to do that for any kind of research, but I've been around herpetologists that like, that's like, they'll have a project and they got to go out and whack 200 lizards for a study or something. You know, it's, it's part, it's part of science, part of life history, science, part of invasive species work. And it's like, you, it sucks. Cause you know, a lot of people get into this stuff because they like just love the animals so much, but sometimes, yeah, things got to die. Yeah. And it's just like uh, the lack of knowledge in the general public about, euthanizing invasives or like what they do and why we would do that i really didn't understand how much like the general public didn't know right. until like on video went viral and i found myself explaining like every two minutes like oh. what invasive is or like why you would have to euthanize it or like why you would do a necropsy on an invasive like right. people really um they haven't been exposed to the topic enough yeah that's just, similar with hunting like a lot of people they, they think that their anti-hunting views are consistent with like conservation and it's in fact, not no hunting, uh, sustainable hunting and the way we do it here is like very much part of the conservation. Right. Um, the invasive stuff, you know, like it's kind of crazy that people don't understand. I'm sure people after you explain it are more open-minded, but like, the general public does not know much about ecology. Right. And so they, they think um, mm. like even how like feral cats, people get mad about feral cat management, Yes, which is wild. I'm like, these, these just listen to me. Like <laughs> I've, I've had debate, like not debates, but arguments with people. I'm like, these cats don't belong in this ecosystem. These species didn't evolve with these cats. They evolved with bobcats, not feral cats. <laughs> Right. People are always shocked to hear that cats are that damaging to the environment or like that cats are bad for the ecosystem. And it's just like it's a common sense to us because we work in that like world, but to everybody else, it's just like foreign. Yeah. And a lot like you'll have people that are, I guess you can like classify them as like animal rights activists who like their heart is really in the right place. They're just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, 100%. Yeah. Biggest. Like everybody really is trying to help with everything. Yeah. Like, 
care about the animals, but it's just like just misplaced, you know, efforts. Right. I wish people like those sorts of people, not not to generalize, but like, I guess you have, you know how the types of people I'm talking about, I wish they would put that passion into native species and uh, ecosystems and populations, not care so much about like individual animals. Not that th- those don't matter yes. but when it comes to saving the world, we are in a biodiversity crisis. That's just a simple fact. We're losing species rapidly. And it just sucks that there's so many people like P- PETA has a huge cohort of people that support them and they're very passionate, but these are like, oftentimes the, like their conservation ethics are not completely sound. And it sucks because if we had those people on board with like removing invasives or sustainable hunting and um, just caring more about biodiversity rather than um, feral cats or, you know, stuff like that. Like it would, I feel like they could really make a difference, you know? Yeah. It's like you said too, like, it's very like focused on individual species a lot of times too. Like it's really easy to get people to advocate to save the sea turtles, but getting people to save the snakes is a lot harder. So it is very like polarized with what people will care about and what you can kind of gather support for. Yeah. Yeah. No, and herps in particular are often overlooked when it comes to conservation yep. efforts. People care a lot about the big megafauna, the big mammals. And, um, but you know, crocs have crocs in recent years have been getting more support. I feel like, I think they have too. Yeah. Like with, I mean, not that this is really societal support, but there's some great like events for croc conservation. There's croc fest and yeah there's the the crocodile specialist group that gets together and they like all collaborate on conservation and um and it seems like more of the public is starting to understand the importance of crocs social media helps with these things i feel like it helps a lot but you know i've also realized a lot of people in florida don't even know we have crocs here like, like that's never- probably one thing that i hear is people tell me that we don't have crocodiles here and it just blows my mind every time. And I mean, I think it's because the numbers used to be so low. And now that they're rebounding, I think there's more of an awareness that we have them. But still, right. I've met so many native Floridians that don't even know we have crocodiles. That's crazy. Yeah. How much have you how much have you worked with American crocodiles? I worked with them for about two years. Two years. That's super cool. Yeah, we did all kinds studies we did the adults and we also did the hatchling surveys so we'd yep. go to the nests and all the hatchlings and count the shells and awesome. do all that yeah it was really cool it's actually like one of my favorite things to do like I always tell people one of my coolest like experiences was like going to see one of the nests and they hadn't come out of their shells yet like they hadn't hatched but you could hear them calling underground for their oh. mom so they were like ready to come out and like actively calling because they heard us, you know, they think the mom's coming. So they start calling out from under yeah, the yeah. ground. That was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's so cool. Yeah. And did y'all catch any larger crocs down there? Yeah, we do. We do adult American crocs too. We, we do adult alligators. We don't do baby alligators. And then we do adult crocs and we do baby crocs. Do baby crocs. So cool. And uh, I've I've worked with Crocs a little bit, and it's some of the the most exciting field work to do. <laughs> I always like catching like uh, alligators and Crocs. I always said the adult stuff. Like I love the babies, obviously, but the adult stuff's fun because it's more like a sport or like a game because you have your 
there and you're on a boat or an airboat and you have to like actively like try to snare it like while the vehicle's moving right. and like hard especially the crocs they just go under so fast and they're in deeper mm -hmm. water so it's so hard to catch the adult crocs and then you and then you snare it and they're, they're pulling and it's 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 really like it like feeling their power and it's it's an adrenaline rush and you know i'm not yeah. gonna lie, we all love adrenaline every now and then exactly <laughs> not Fun. an adrenaline junkie but uh, like those moments are cool you know when you're yeah yeah, it's really fun. That's always been some of my favorite field work, just because it's like kind of a challenge. Yeah, that's um, I most of my time catching alligators, it was it was like with a rod and reel and reeling them in. So by the time you rope them, they're like tired. Last summer, I got invited to do some alligator work, and I snared my first one from an airboat, and it was like a ten plus footer. It was like close to eleven feet. I, it almost pulled me in the water. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're strong. Yeah, like scared the shit out of me. I, I, I mean, I knew I expected it to be fairly powerful at that size, but um, it's just different. Like you're, if you're used to catching them on rod and reel, I don't know if y'all ever did that. I've practiced doing it, like the casting with right. it, but never had to actually use it. We always use snares. I got you. Now, it's honestly, it's a lot better not having to use a rod and reel because it does stress them out a lot. I feel like you know they're yeah. time and like by the time you get them in, they built up so much lactic acid and it's just like the longer you're working with them and all that like they can yeah. straight up die you know from the stress i've never actually right. had it happen but i've heard of it happening you know yeah these big tough reptiles and they can literally die from just overstress it's kind of crazy starts a lot too very easily Starts actually too. really very that's really interesting so how do have you done shark research yeah, I've gone out with them to do shark tagging and stuff. A lot of my friends work for the University of Miami Shark Research Lab. So they actually have like special ventilators and stuff to like keep the water flowing through the gills while they have them up on board. But even with like a lot of the precautions they take and stuff when they're working with them, they still have fatalities for the sharks upon releasing them. And uh, it's crazy because it just kind of shows like people that are shark fishing, like and not taking any precautions chances of that um sorry i was getting called oh. the chances of that shark actually like dying after you re-release it are so high yeah that's a like shark fishing is is a pretty controversial thing i mean obviously us researchers and ecologists don't like it just because of that fact alone yeah, is stress yeah yeah, the stress on the animal a lot of times even if you release it and it's alive and you release it it's probably going to die shortly after really and I mean, y'all know this because y'all like researchers have done studies, enough studies and have worked with them enough yeah. for this. Yeah. That's wild. You know, a lot of people really like going out to the beach and like catching sharks, bull sharks and stuff around where I live. And like a lot of people will add in their posts, like, yeah, the, you know, the shark's uh, well-being was you know looked after and, you know, it was released unharmed, but who, who knows if, you know, those animals are living or not. Exactly. Yeah. How do, how do researchers catch the sharks? Um, it depends. A lot of same thing as the fishers. Yeah. 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 Rod and reel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't There's not many other ways to catch a shark. I mean, yeah. you can't you're get, all pretty can't limited with your, with your noose. Yeah. It's a lot <laughs> harder to see one of those. Yeah. You must dream of like diving with great whites. Yeah. I want to do it so bad, but it's like, 
the areas you have to go are so far from me. Like they just outlawed it, I guess, in Guadalupe, which is kind of the really? closest place. So, yeah. Dang, I, I didn't realize you could do that there. That's interesting. Yeah, it was one of like the top areas for a long time. I haven't really read up on like what's going on there with why they outlawed it and stuff. I've just seen it everywhere, like the backlash from people being upset about it being outlawed now. Gotcha. What are some uh, cool places you've been on your wildlife adventures? Cool places. I've been to Ecuador before. I actually okay. filmed GoPro there once for like a free diving shark thing. And it was oh, incredible. Like the wildlife and the biodiversity off the islands was just insane. Um, and then we also did Morlet's crocodile research in Belize. I love Morlet's crocs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're so pretty and it was just really cool to like see the people that worked there and like we just kind of stayed at like this eco lodge yeah. and we were there for a long time and there were so many herps there it was nuts like you could just like walk out of like your villa in the morning there'd be like monkeys in the trees and like you could just walk around and see snakes everywhere it was really neat yeah uh, that was my first place to work with crocs was in belize catching more let's crocs and we were in the chicky bowl forest um which is on the border, like close to Guatemala. Yeah. Deep in that rainforest, the crocs are like this bright, bright yellow coloration. They're so pretty. I didn't observe that same like phenotype elsewhere in Belize. Um, but more or less crocs in general are, are a lot of fun. They're, yeah. They're, gorgeous. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty laid back generally. Like they're, um, they're like almost like alligators, you know? Pretty, yeah. Um, that's super cool. Tell me about um, all this recent stuff with media. <laughs> it's been crazy. So I, obviously the snake started going viral and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah, like, paint paint the picture for people that don't know. Yeah. Um, it was the snake. So we caught, we didn't catch it. We had somebody actually turn it into my research lab. They caught it in the field. It was like some field workers. They were doing some vegetation management and they came across the python and it turned out to be like this 18 foot python that had eaten an alligator. And they're like, can we bring it to you guys? And we're like, yeah, bring it to us. So we were going to, yeah, we're like all so excited. We're all like gathering up, like waiting for it. So we cut the alligator out and stuff and pulled it out. It was like fully intact alligator, which was just like crazy to see. Like I couldn't believe it. It was like barely decayed at all. Yeah. So I think that made it like kind of even like crazier to see because it wasn't like out like a dead decaying thing it was like a fully intact alligator so i posted that not thinking anything of it like so i at the time i posted it, i barely even made a caption like just a short because everybody that follows me is mostly like biologists and stuff so right. i didn't expect yeah yeah like i didn't even think to do that and then like all of a sudden it just started like blowing up like a million views within like two days and i was like oh crazy i hit a million views and then it just kept going <laughs> and now it's like it's at 20, almost 20 million views now yeah it's at almost 20 million it's crazy i couldn't believe it and it's just like all of a sudden you know like your dms start getting blown up with like producers and reporters and stuff and so i did my first interview and i was so nervous about it it was with daily mail reached out to me right to now. do it and i was like talking to my friends and i was like studied up like any like question they had on invasives and then I got on the phone with them and like five minutes into the call, they completely flipped the script on me and were like, so <laughs> and I was like, what? And they're like, Oh, well we saw that you model. And I was like, okay. And I had like nothing for <laughs> ready for that. Yeah. And they had, like the most ridiculous headline. It was like 
bikini model geoscientist like saves Everglades from monster snake. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> I immediately called my friends and I was like, guys, I should not have given that interview. I was like, this is ridiculous. But like from there, like CNN picked it up and then they called me and I was like, oh, well, I'll interview with CNN. I was like, they're going to do like a, a good piece. And they did a really good piece too. Yeah. But again, they stuck with the bikini model like line. So then after that, like the media just kind of like snowballed almost like away from <laughs> just onto me. It's more, it's more, um, I mean, let's face it. Like you are a rare breed in our society. Yeah. So I didn't realize that. Sorry. I'm just going to put my phone. Um, yeah. So I wasn't really prepared for that at all, but it's just like, it hasn't stopped since. Yeah. Well, it's been crazy. I, th I feel like, you know, I think it's really cool that you're, you're getting this attention. Maybe it's not the attention you necessarily like were hoping for, but I think you can be a good example for, for women out there, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like how I'm trying to take it. I'm trying to like keep the lean, media under a little into, bit. Just lean into it, you know, in, in a very genuine way. You can, I, th I feel like this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been really cool and exciting. And I think it's given me more of a platform to talk more about like women in STEM and like to do more outreach for just getting girls in science and ecology, obviously, like it's very male dominated. I'll say actually the geosciences, like in my experience, tends to be a little bit more male skewed than like biology. Right. But again, that's at like the entry level. So I always try to explain that like, while you see more women going into the field at like lower level positions, it's still like, we're so behind in getting leadership roles that like, male labs are still usually male dominated at the leadership level yeah yeah women are definitely the minority in these things and then women that model are like the minority of the minority <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i i didn't realize that but that's been brought to my attention lately a lot so but yeah it's it's been cool super cool like is that is modeling something you're really passionate about no. So I always explain, like, I actually got into modeling just because I was working with sharks and stuff and like companies were like, Hey, like you can free dive and like, you know, these photographers, can you shoot my products? And then I just started getting more into like doing those kind of shoots. And then I signed a contract with like a company here for like more like event-based modeling and like, like, or, um, you know, like I've done like Range Rover and like Ferrari and like companies like that. Uh, but I always say, like, I'd rather do, like, brand shoots that are going to let me do things that, like, incorporate my passions. So now I'm signed with, like, a tequila deal as well. But, like, their whole thing with it is, like, I can do whatever I want for these shoots. Like, okay, cool. if I want to go kayaking tomorrow for King's Landing, which is what I'm going to do, I can just bring this tequila bottle and go, like, play out in nature and, like, do exactly what I want to do and just, like, like do modeling outside side like it's not like a stiff like thing super cool and that's you know to, to balance your your wildlife career in that that's like the best way possible the best way forward exactly. you get the best of both worlds i can go play outside or like find weird yeah. things do some modeling while you're there yeah might as well super cool um what are your future aspirations yeah. So right now I'm still working for the government, um, just yep. doing that thing, but I am getting like more involved in media and I'm getting some more media deals coming, uh, things in the works that I can't really comment yeah. on. Right. Yeah. 
like working on building my social media. Like now I'm working with some people that are helping me to like steer me on how to do that and like what right, to yeah. do. I've never really been like somebody that'll like talk on my videos or stuff. Or like even if right. I go her for film myself with right. this yeah. kind of showing off the snakes. And they're like, Rosie, you gotta be in the videos. And I was like, yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> and they're like heavy. <laughs> yeah. You gonna start doing more of that? Yeah, so I finally like posted like a video of me and a mud snake that I found, and everybody's like, "Good job, you did it!" And I was like, "Oh yeah, well, I don't know. I just like to film the animals when I go out. I've never really been like, I want to be in the video or hey, right. can you take this?" Yeah, it's very much focused on just the animals. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, um, by like by putting yourself in the video and like that, people can connect more and maybe uh, engage more with the content and maybe take away uh you know more information and you know um like you know want to go learn about conservation more and you know, stuff like that exactly it's good for science communication i'm just like trying to like force my hand at it and get myself to get out there right. so your, your instagram went from i mean you had a decent following already but it like shot up to like seventy thousand or something yeah, it went from like 8,000 and that video went viral and like with all the like media releases and stuff, it like shot up to like I think so, 71. I was like, wow. Crazy. That's like a, it's really weird. We live in a time where like that, like that, that occurrence like can literally change your life. Literally. It changed everything. Over, overnight. It's like, it's like you made it. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. But you gotta like keep building on it and, you know, yeah, use your voice and, and, you know, ways that benefit wildlife as much as possible. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's cool to have the platform because it's like now what I care about, I can kind of like shed some light on and that's really the only reason. It comes with a lot of responsibility, I feel like. I feel, I feel like a lot of people have great platforms and they don't use them to do as much good as they could. Not like, it, there's, there's such a great opportunity to spread the good word of conservation through social media and science and getting, you know, um encouraging young people to pursue science and and wildlife stuff and like a lot of wildlife people simply don't and yeah i mean you can inspire people indirectly i guess without always talking about it i guess steve yeah. was kind of like that and he wasn't going around saying you know y'all need to go be wildlife biologists but yet we all became wildlife biologists like in our yeah. or did you watch steve Rowan? i did i figured yeah like our um if you're like in your 20s right now there's a good and you work with wildlife you probably watched steve yeah it's like everybody's yeah. life yeah which is really cool he inspired a whole generation of of wildlife professionals and wow like his legacy lives on and on it will continue to live on through through all of us yeah he's always going to be one of the greats yeah really special um very good uh, we can end it there rosie thank you so much for, yeah, no problem. Uh, time. You know, fit, fit me into your busy media schedule <laughs> you're good thanks for having me it was nice to meet you yeah yeah you too and you know if i'm ever in south florida i'll uh hit you up and we can yeah. show some cool critters or something come down come herp anytime thank you. thank you so much rosie have a good one all right bye nice to meet you you too see you